I have Ray Will here with this week's interview chair. This week we have poodle icon Susan Fraser from Bibolo Poodles. This should be a lot of fun. Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. And this week we have Susan Fraser from Bibolo Poodles. Did I say it right? I think so. Okay, because I've I've always been the understanding was Bibelot, and I was wrong, and I apologize. And yeah. Bibelot, it is from here on in. So all right, because I remember all the, all those dogs of the past. So I think of like Tall, Dark, and Handsome, and Big Bird. I was always Bibelot. I, th- I think he, even Elaine called them Bibelot. <laughs> That's fine. It's English or French, whichever you prefer. Okay. Well, we'll stick with Bibelot because that sounds nice. So okay, how are you doing? I am fine, thank you, and looking forward to this. Oh, good. You look great. I can't wait. Okay. Well, let's get started. Tell me, Susan, how did you get started in the sport of dogs? And tell me how old you were when you got started. I was 10 years old when my parents were invited to a party uh, by a friend of a friend of a friend. And guess what? This is the end of the war. And the person owned a male and a female standard poodle who had a litter of puppies in a one-bedroom apartment. Needless to say, my parents came home with a new puppy. (laughs) Anyway, I was about 10 years old at the time. And he was a typical poodle, uh, all sorts of fun in that. And of course, we didn't know anything about training or that. Mm -hmm. So so where did it go from there? You have this poodle now. Oh, well, a couple of years later, uh, a dog school started up in Toronto and my mother's said she was going to go and I said no I want to go so I went and uh, you'll be amused by this Uh, graduation day of dog school uh, I was the person who had improved the most the dog had improved the most and we won the mock trial and I came home with three pounds of Laura Seacord candies (laughs) proud of myself age 12 proud of myself as could be and my mother took one look and she said, asked me if I'd offered them to anyone in the class. Well, of course I hadn't offered them. She wouldn't let me touch them until I took them back to class the following week and offered them around. That's a oh. lesson I've never forgotten. Wow, that's a good yeah. lesson. So now you've, you've, you've done this at dog school. Keep going. I'm sure that we have a lot to cover, Susan. Uh, um, Bay Myers, who, who had been down to Blanche Saunders, to learn about training you to train your dog. And say she, the name again, Ben Myers? What? Bay Myers, Miss Bay, Bay Myers. All right. She was well known in miniature poodles and especially in the beginnings of training dogs in our area in Canada. The, after the, um, she, she offered to take me to a dog show. And so we went to a dog trial and I came home high in trial with an electric kettle as the prize. Well, <laughs> you know, age 12, you're thinking, we. Yeah. So, uh, now, this was a trial. It wasn't a dog show. No, it was, I don't remember. I just remember it was outside and a trial. Uh-huh. Uh, in those days, there were no superintendents or anything. You had to be at the trial or show by 10 o'clock in the morning, past the vet, and you couldn't leave until 5 o'clock at night. Um, the second show I went to, I went by train. I lived in Toronto. I took this uh, young car down to the Union Station, 
took Joey and tied him in the baggage car to <laughs> one of the trunks that was there, arrived in Guelph, and you also had to be there by 10 o'clock for benching, and you had to pass the vet. Well, so vet excuse, me for, excuse, me for, excuse me for asking, what, any idea what year this was? Uh, late 40s. Late forties, and so at the dog show, you had to go through the vet's office first. Or Absolutely, the vet. vet. Uh huh. And you lined up, and you hoped you got there before ten o'clock because you couldn't go in after. All right. So I'm passing the vet, and the dog passes the vet. But Bumpy Lewis, who was the show superintendent, took one look at me and said, "You've got spots all over your face. You must have the measles." So he escorted me back down to the train, and we went back to Toronto. I was so disappointed, oh, and yes, sure. I had the measles. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, later on, oh, I guess I was in my mid-teens by then, but I didn't want to go to camp one summer, and my parents wanted to go away for a month, and uh, I was being obnoxious teenager, and they asked the boarding kennel who was going to board the dog if they would board me, too. Well, the kennel said, yes. Of course you would. <laughs> and I came home with a puppy, of course, uh, a white one who became my, Liz became my first champion and she had earned her UD. Mm -hmm. After university, I didn't know what I wanted. No, no I don't do. want you jumping. I want to know about your first dog show with her then. With Liz? Yes. With my Did you show her yourself? Oh, always. Yes. Uh -huh. there, there wasn't. A thought of a handler. This is something I'm doing and having fun. Mm -hmm. right. And it's been that way pretty well all my life, except you couldn't handle when I was in England for all the shows. And uh, I have used Barbara Humphreys happily uh, for shows in the U.S. sometimes. Mm -hmm. oh, Barbara's wonderful. Gosh. Ancient history. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to cover that, too. So. Okay. So, okay, so you've, you're showing Liz. Well, tell me about your first dog show with Liz. I, sorry, I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember? Well, you I finished her championship. I had a lot of fun. Yes, we went back to dog school and, and uh, eventually, um, it wasn't until I was after university that I spent a summer with Holocourt Kennels with Ms. Maruel Kelschner in New York State. And she had a large kennel of miniatures and we went to a, a few shows, et cetera. I was slave labor for grooming. Uh, but at the same time, it was news. Uh -huh. There. And when did, oh, I know. I went to the Poodle Club of America one year. And I, Liz, no, I'll go back to Liz. Liz died on Christmas Day, age seven, of torsion. No vets knew what it was. No vets were around. They were all having turkey dinner. Liz died. Okay. So I bought, I went down to Beltor Kennels and Becky Mason said, I'll give you the dog that went, um, winner's dog at Westminster. Well, I'd seen him and I didn't think that much of him. Or you could have <laughs> one of these young puppies and they didn't turn me on, but you could, or you can have this American champion year old dog that sitting there looking sad. She said, I don't need him in my breeding program. The people in New York who had him didn't want him in an apartment. And uh, so I came home with the American champion, Beltor Joshua, and put his Canadian championship on him and his American Canadian CDX. Anyway, I took him to 
PCA one year, and uh, I'm standing there watching standard poodles being judged, and there's this beautiful, lovely black female in continental, all the rest of them were in English saddle, and she stood out because my, I'd shown mine in continental. And I wrote a letter to the owner saying, I've never written a, a love letter sort of thing in my life, um, but I've admired your lovely gal. And it was just a nice letter I wrote. Anyway, a week or so later, I got a phone call and a very old voice said, this is Miss McCreary, I own Joni. Would you like to have her? Just give her a new home? Well, I've never said yes faster in my life. <laughs> and Joni arrived in the home with a, and a mahogany kennel and a all prepaid and a beautiful green leather collar and lead. Anyway, that's how I really got started into breeding and showing standard poodles. Wow. Joni bred to champion Wycliffe Virgil, gave me Tramp, i.e. Bebo's tall, dark, and handsome, who became an English-American. Slow Canadian. down, slow down. How did we come up with Bebelo? All right, Bebelo's tall, dark, and handsome. But how did we come up with the name Bebelo? You're like, I, I, you haven't even mentioned well, we it. We were tossing yet. names around, and it just sounded... Um, back in the days, there weren't poodles around, and it was just something nice and... and I, there was a miniature in our lives as well, but it, that's sort of how it came about. Something special to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you bred your bitch um, that you got. And, well, and you bred her to, to Virgil, Wycliffe Virgil. Now, where where was Virgil? Was it, That's Gene Lyle, right? was a Wycliffe dog. He was living in uh, Chicago area at the time, and I had seen him as a very young puppy, and I thought, oh, that's the soundest dog I've ever seen in my life. Uh, a perfect mate for Lady Joan. Uh -huh. And and we had, uh, that was a very successful mating because you look at a litter of blacks and you say, which one shall I let go as a pet? That was the kind of quality that was in. And you consistent, wonderful temperaments, easygoing, good looking, nice dogs. Wow. Uh -huh. So how did you approach uh, Wycliffe to, to you just... it, was, it wasn't owned by, it was owned by Joan Schilke in okay. Chicago area. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. So that, that gave you Tramp. Yes. And Tramp, well, of course. Well, tell Tramp. us all about Tramp. People are tall, dark, and handsome. Well, he was that, but except he wasn't really. Uh, we were living in a one-bedroom apartment at the time. And I should go back to say one of the things that I was limited by my parents and then by my husband to two dogs only. And I was, that is why I'm very selective about which puppy I keep. Anyway, uh, we were in a one bedroom apartment. We had two dogs already. Tramp was born on the day that my husband proposed to me. And guess what I gave him as an engagement gift? Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so Tramp, we had to do something. And Tramp by then had his Canadian championship promptly, very early in life. And then his um, uh, Barbara Humphreys took him and get, got him his most of his American championship for me. Um, 
it, I remember that a show at the CNE and he hadn't quite turned a year old. And I, of course, I'd moved him up to specials by then. And the superintendent was called over and said to check this dog who was not going in the puppy class because I was told the puppy class had already been uh, judged and uh, I'd missed it. I was standing there, stupid Susan. And I said, but he's not in the puppy class. He's this champion. So they got the so superintendent over to look and see, uh, you know, just how old this dog was and confirm his day. And I did win the breed. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm -hmm. who, do you remember who the superintendent was? Hey, pardon? Do you remember who the superintendent was? Not that year. No, no. not that year. <laughs> <laughs> so tell more about Tramp's career. Well, not being able to keep tramp and distant fields are always greener, one thinks. Um, I had been told about this young gal in England who was a beautiful groomer. And I approached her and asked her if she would like to take tramp and see what she could do with him. I knew he was a good dog. There was no question of that. And so Marilyn Willis uh, had him in England and the first he, nobody knew about him coming out. There was just words that he was, nobody saw him till he came out at Crufts. Uh, and uh, he, he made an impression all right, but it was the following year that he went reserve best in show. And back in those days, uh, you didn't send emails and things. And Marilyn was sending me uh, cables all the time. And this time she says, another best in show gets monotonous. <laughs> But he ended up re reserve best in show at Crufts in 67. And as friends as they come, a standard poodle, debonair, proud, and very chic. Obviously, with team support. He was the runner-up for the best dog of the show. His name, Bibelow's Tall, Dark, and Handsome. And he was England's Dog of the Year for 1966. And then he came home and he joined our family. Um, oh, you might get amused by this. We are out in the park, tramp off the lead, running around, etc. And uh, we saw a nice little pussycat up ahead. Noel, the pussycat gets chased, except this wasn't a pussycat. It put its tail up and bites uh, oh, no. right down the back of its neck. And of course, tramp's covered and uh, he comes back towards us and... Uh, we think, oh, we know we're just imagining it, it sort of thing. And we're spelling it, of course, too. And we passed some people in the park and they said, ooh, skunk. <laughs> anyway, no. um, that's Friday night. The dog show Saturday. You think I'm missing a dog show? Oh, no. So we Did rushed you get it out. out? Uh, and got all the vinegar and all, no, all the tomato juice you could, because that was what we were told to do. So here we've got this 12 inch coat soaked in um, tomato juice and that washed out and cleaned up and dried. And we showed up at the show the next morning. Ooh, skunk. Oh <laughs> no. Have you ever left tomato juice in a glass and you know how it goes dry and hard? Yes. But you can't get out of, out of a dog's coat either. Oh gosh. Anyway, that was, um, Dr. Chute was the judge that day. He went best in show. And after best in show, I went zip off one ear, zip off two ears, and away he went. <laughs> he wasn't was, shown again? He wasn't shown again. How no. much was he shown in Canada? Oh, 
Oh, whenever I could get to a dog show. Uh-huh. I'm, and how many I'm, best shows did he get? Uh, there weren't, oh, thank goodness. No, there weren't nearly as many shows. Yeah. They were benched. Um, there was competition always because everybody had saved up to go to that show that month. Right. Um, and when they're benched, you stay around. You have to stay around. So you get talking and you look and you see and you admire and you meet people. It's it's quite it was quite different from what it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so he that that the, the skunk show was was Tramp's last show then. It was Tramp's last show. Oh gosh. So he wasn't shown that much in Canada oh. then. Um, as much as I could. Yeah. I, I'm not driving necessarily in the forums. <laughs> and I had other interests in life, like two very young kids. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where did you go from Tramp then? Pardon? Where did you go from Tramp? What was after Tramp? I guess Tramp had a litter sister in style of, people who was in the style of high chrome. And she really was a nicer confirmation dog than tramp and i used her for breeding and there was another one that abe zavonkin owned abe zavonkin how about that yeah uh-huh. uh, abe i used to watch oh tv had just started you'd watch abe on friday night he was a wrestler i remember and- well i remember the stories i never saw him but oh yeah or saturday he'd be at the dog show with his standard poodle <laughs> <laughs> I remember him with a toy poodle. <laughs> you were so right. Uh-huh. Wow. And he had the biggest hands I'd ever seen in my life. Yes. And and he became a judge. And I he didn't stay judging very long because dogs who weren't used to a massive, do- you know, and that um, didn't appreciate <laughs> being looked oh, over. He, so his hands were, I, I, I never had a problem was... with a dog with him, but his hands were massive. Yes. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's great. So, okay, I'm sorry, I got you off track there. Those, talking to we bred those two dogs to the top dogs we knew of in the U.S. at the time and had, as I said, what puppy do you keep? What, what, there was no problem into finding one to, um, you had a whole litter of ones to keep. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Dr. Shute, who, um, I forgot what his first name is, here from London area, he was judging in, Italy one time and there was a tramp puppy there and he asked the owner and he said I'm sure that must be a tramp puppy sure enough it was uh-huh. he, he started something in England or and maybe Europe too but it definitely in England when he arrived he had 12 inches of coat massive coat and in those days you didn't use spray or back comb or anything you just put one elastic in up here and of course it all flopped over like this but uh he i sent over one a crate dogs weren't crated they were tied to their kennels and also a grooming table uh and they hadn't had grooming tables because the dogs were just done like this bath tossed and came they were scissored and clipped well but they had no length of coat or thought of anything but a hanging curly coat well that certainly changed grooming in england uh i don't know for the good or not (laughs) Oh, yeah. makes them pretty. So it's for the good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, another dog comes to mind. Um, I, I think the Elaine Mitchell show him Big Bird. Sorry? Bibolo Big Bird. 
oh, Big Bird went to, was out west. Yeah, and yeah. That's right. And Big Bird became a, a Bermuda Canadian American champion. He won a lot of best in shows, I remember. He though. did out there, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elaine Mitchell showed him. You are right. Yes. Yeah. You remember a few things. <laughs> when, what was his breeding? It wasn't Tramp for sure, but it'd be from one of his sisters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, did Sorry. you keep? Did you keep anything from his litter? No, is the answer. I'm limited to two dogs. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it started a lot of people around Toronto. I enjoy helping others, and there's no thought of somebody comes along and said, "Let's have." would you like one or that one's good enough to show come on let's go to a show and um, it was it was far more friendship in those days Uh it wasn't cutthroat maybe we would have wished but at the same time there were lots of people who enjoyed having a nice dog and had fun with them yes wow so how how long did you breed standards for by myself up to about 15 years ago and then most recently with deborah drake tolka poodles we have concentrated just on the silvers i lost i lost one of my best dogs who was one of our pet mops who was american canadian champion bibos hey look me over and um, mops died of torsion and this time i was around to see it again and i thought that's the end of the blacks in the background, I, with Liz, my first poodle, I happened to be working for Ruel Kelschner Holocourt in the States, and I saw a silver standard poodle, and I thought, oh, do I ever want that color? Uh, I'd seen silver minis, but not silver standards. Mm-hmm. So I bred Liz, my white, to the silver dog, and we had 11 pups, and they were all born black. And they stayed black. Not one of them began to turn silver. And that's when I learned you don't breed a white to a silver because silver isn't a color. Silver is an early graying gene. And and as such, you end up with white. Basically, your silver is basically a black. So guess what? You get maybe some, some in older ages that turn sort of a bluey gray shade, but nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I kept strings on one of those dogs and bred it to an, another silver. Uh, I did acquire a couple of silvers. There were no silvers around in those days. There, we all knew one another, whether we were in Canada or the States. And the we had health problems and temperature temperament problems. So you'd look at a litter of silvers and you'd say, which one shall I keep? Not which one shall I sell, which one shall I keep? And quietly I would put them in, sell them to people who, with a litter coming back or a puppy coming back or something. And for about 20 years, I did never kept a silver until a couple of good ones came along. Uh-huh. Um, and I had fun with the silvers and I realized that is the color I enjoy most. Yeah, and I I, I saw you showing a lovely silver miniature last year, I think. So, oh, no, that has age takes care of that. I 
decided that as a pet, I needed a miniature now. So yes, I have, have had, I have two silver and minis right now. And I enjoy showing and I enjoy training very much. No, you're mm -hmm. still showing. I'm like, I remember seeing you with the, it was, it was a bitch, right? A silver bitch I saw you with. And she had a beautiful face, like a beautiful face. And that's what struck out, stuck out to me. I thought, oh my God, that's a pretty bitch. So uh -huh. she, she definitely was, but she was a little bit of a rascal. And uh, where I'm living right now, there's no fenced in, we're not allowed to have a fenced in yard or anything. And so I let her go to another home. Uh -huh. okay. And I kept her daughter, who's a little demon, but I enjoyed <laughs> her. Mm -hmm. there. You were telling me earlier on, let me get this right. I don't want to screw it up. You were you were one of the founding members of the Poodle Advancement Association, which became Poodle Club of Canada. Well, Poodle Advancement Association. I remember Poodle Advancement. In the, in the late the late 1950s, um, Bay Myers and a few other people who were showing decided to get together and form a club. And uh, yes, and then then it became because of the CKC, the Poodle Club of Canada. And it was basically centered in Ontario at the time. And then um, I also was a member of the Poodle Club of America. Uh, I was the first person, first Canadian, and the first person who admitted to making my living grooming poodles. Uh, the Poodle Club of America started out with very rich people who were well off, who had large kennels and kennel help, et cetera. And the owners didn't lift a finger for grooming. <laughs> uh -huh. And it was, you know, here was Susan coming along at flying and Becky Mason Beltor kennels and Lady Mc, um, Miss McCreary and uh, Ruel Kelschner Polycourt kennels had all uh, proposed me and seconded me. And uh, they did a lot of research and uh, decided that I was a positive person to add to their collection. <laughs> yeah. What year was that, Susan? Oh, yeah. I'd be, I was 22 at the time. So wow. in the late 50s. Mm -hmm. That's there. great. Gosh. So you've been, you have miniatures now. And did you never have any aspirations to judge? Absolutely not. And that. <laughs> That's because of the restrictions the kennel clubs put on judges. You can't help people and clip people and, and click their dogs or do like anything like that. And I've always been a person who helped people, encouraged people, and talked to people. So it, it wasn't in my own. I would have lost all my friends. <laughs> I will happily evaluate a litter for them, but I will not get involved with an being a judge yeah and you just think back then nobody's happy about judging except the winner and i didn't want to hear all the stories <laughs> what if someone approached you and asked you to judge especially would you do that i am not eligible to judge especially you see yes you are I I have done a lot of judging of sweepstakes and puppy matches. But you know, but no, no, I, I beg to differ, Susan. You're like you are eligible. You could be nominated to judge a national specialty as a breed. Where here? I think I, I judged the American National Narrow Center Club, and I was still just a handler at that point. So I was. They they uh -huh. vote you in. 
So. Well, I know yeah. I've been asked by many countries to, and I said I'm, you know, I'm not eligible to. <laughs> I've done sweepstakes. I had fun at one. Um, I was the Friday was the specialty. This is in the states in Massachusetts. Um, the specialty was on Friday, and I was doing puppy match or sweepstakes so that I couldn't show at the show. But the next day, I had my standard poodle with me. And I won the breed both days, beating <laughs> a certain dog that had a high best in show record. And it did feel good. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, so uh, what, what would you say to someone, if a young person, if they came up to you and said they wanted to start breeding standard poodles or miniature poodles, that fact, what advice would you give them? Oh, boy, find yourself a mentor. That is the key thing. Find somebody who's willing to help you. Um, if you're, so many people want to breed because they want money, money, money. Okay, and that's a natural thing. You've got to pay for it somehow. But find somebody who is willing to help you. Too many kennels breed, 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 and then aren't willing to sell their good stock to somebody who has dreams it is only by helping the next generation and the youngsters that the the breed will be carried on we're, we're dealing with a breed unfortunately that requires a lot of skill before you can present it the grooming is gone crazy uh -huh. and uh, but find some yes you need a mentor and it's the handlers are busy, 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 of course. So talk to people, go to look at a dog show, admire their dogs and, and ask them questions. You'll soon find somebody who is willing to uh, help you. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Who do you consider your mentors? My first one and probably the best one by far was Bay Myers. She was a lady, there's no, and she took me in instead. And I, I once asked her how her dog was. How's Aussie? And she said, fine. And then I said, and how's your mother? And she looked at me and she said, you never ask in that order. You always ask who my mother is first. <laughs> Lessons we never forget. <laughs> Yeah, Bay Myers for sure. Um, yeah. Barbara Humphreys helped me a, a fair amount oh, in her sure, years. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that. Uh -huh. Are you still in contact with Barbara? No, I haven't for many years. Mm -hmm. And she's in the, the West Coast, San yeah. Diego area. Yes. So where do you where do you go from here then, Susan? Like you, you, where are you going to go from here now? You've done you've you've done everything. What what is your uh, before I get change topic? What, what was your most favorite win? Would it have been Crofts? The most exciting, yes, because I'm sitting at home and waiting for a cable to come in. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and, I can't imagine. For uh, that was yes, really the most exciting one of all. Uh huh. I, how I wished I could be there. By the way, you can watch it on the BBC. If you put in BBC and then Crufts and the year, you can watch a lot of the judging. 
Wow, BBC. Uh -huh. Any 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 year. What year was that, Susan? 67? Uh, 67. I just might do that. How about that? would be fun. I'd yeah. love to see them. Yeah. And it's interesting because it, we, all you did for brushing them out, you brushed them out, you clipped them, the clipping. And the, in those days, the hanging, it was hanging coat, not coat up top they wanted. And they just put an elastic in here and plump. And that was all there was to it. You know. I remember Carol Holland's one time I arrived at the show with three standard poodles and Carol Holland and, and the group who were showing poodles were all there. And Carol Holland yells, oh, Susan's come. It's time to go to the ring. But I never <laughs> went to the shows early and I didn't like staying late either there. <laughs> That's funny. I was just talking about Carol because I have a I have a she gave me a crate of her father's Horace, Horace Holland's. Horace Holland's, yeah. And it was, it's an old Irish setter crate that they housed a very famous Irish setter, Michael Bryan, Duke of Sussex. And it's amazing. That I show, Whenever I show somebody, they're amazed at the size of it. I, I tell them it's got to go in the back of a station wagon back then. So it's not very big. <laughs> oh. oh, Carol. I, I learned a lot from Carol as well. Um, the, so advice. What about? new breeders or even the dogs now susan what advice do you see anything and direction they're going or something you think needs to be looked at or changed or oh the grooming the grooming is so phony in poodles a doberman is what you see is what you get yeah well a poodle isn't what you see is what you get <laughs> you really really have to know confirmation to be able to see under and feel what's underneath that coat. It's presentation, presentation when it comes to poodles. And I'm so glad to see so many more people are now doing a modified show trim. Yes, that's in the basic style, but nowhere does it say that we have to grow a massive coat and length of coat and put it up with spray and four elastics and the number of people that put uh, switches in it's as phony as can be <laughs> yeah. uh, but so it is all glamour so uh, well it uh, hopefully hopefully there'll be educated enough judges that they can see through it and it's just icing on the cake sometimes so i hope it's just sometimes yeah yeah, it's, it's uh like it's it'd be nice to have the the combination of a really good dog and pretty presentation so um it's it's nice to see so many in all sizes now being shown in the modified continental. Yes. You like and that. they're winning and working. Uh -huh. Oh, they can still work. That's for sure. Yeah. So that's the advice you would give about the new poodles then the new era, I guess it is. I'd love to see more shown without being cut. All this hair, phony hair growth. And it, also <laughs> it also restricts the life that the dog lives normally. You you can't let it play with its pals and have the ears pulled off and the top knot shortened out and the coat pulled out. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's true. But they used to like I, I look at the pictures of the old of the older dogs like Mrs. Clark specials and Frank Sabella specials, and they had a ton of hair. They sure had a ton of hair. They had a ton of hair, but if you look at it, it wasn't all groomed up and it was hanging down hair rather than growth up through the top yeah. knot, etc. Uh-huh. The, the they were still, they were still glamorous. So. Uh -huh. Oh, you are so right. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. 
there was a, a certain Allie, a Putnikov dog that was shown, a white standard years and years ago, did a lot of winning and he was a lovely dog, but the handler didn't have a clue about how to brush it. And if you touch the dog, he was one solid mat. And oh. it was brushed out a bit on top to make it look nice. So it looked nice. Uh -huh. Oh, I used to dread getting those in. People would bring their dogs in for, because I was showing dogs then, they'd bring their dogs in and you'd touch them and think, oh, that's going to need some work. <laughs> oh, well. It's a skill we all develop in time. Yeah. I have one more question for you then, Susan. If you were to meet the 20-year-old Susan now, is there any advice you'd give her now? Enjoy it. And I was selective, so very selective, because I was limited to two dogs all my life. And that is really a help. Don't don't start a kennel. <laughs> don't just keep three dogs because you want to see what the future holds. Pick one, love one, and enjoy it. It's Yes, it's a competition on the weekends when we go, but enjoy the dog for the rest of the time. There. That's good Thank advice. Uh -huh. That's good advice. Well, I'm glad we finally got to do this, Susan. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I loved hearing the stories and I, all about Tramp. I'm going to look up Tramp's video on YouTube and, and watch him. I've only ever seen pictures, so I want to see him go. Oh, all right. And, and it, when I when I first was told about it, which was many, many years later, it brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's a, it's a great memento to be able to watch. So, you know, I... I it, not so much recently, but every now and then I get an email or somebody says, oh, I remember seeing him. Or the, the, I remember people have come into the poodle studio when I was grooming dogs and they couldn't even speak English. And they said they wanted to see Tramp. And of course, Tramp would come out and tail going like this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I, I, knew, I knew of Tramp just from listening to everybody. So. Tramp, you never needed a lead with him. And then one day in the park behind our place, he disappeared. And I'm looking for him. And that's stupid. You know, where is he gone? And over the hill? Couldn't find him. Anyway, went home and you phone the Humane Societies and find oh, out, you know, what can you do? You look and you drive around. Well, it seems Tramp had gone over the hill and met some people and went to the corner of the street. And uh, he was with these people, a nice dog, happy dog, pat, nice dog. And, and they crossed on the light at Leslie and S Steele's Avenue. Can you imagine this? <laughs> and uh, crossed on the light and uh, the next light, he crossed the next way and he followed people into the local hospital. Well, he's in the waiting room there and he's getting patted by everybody and nice dog and that. And finally, they realized he wasn't with anybody. So he did get picked up by the humane society. But that was the yeah. kind of dog he was. Oh, Friends with goodness. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Wow. Well, again, thank you, Susan. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you at the shows. So you probably will. I still go. <laughs> I know you do. That's why I, I remember we walking by with a silver miniature and, and I, I, there was some poodle people there and they were brand new. And I, I said, you know who that was? And they 
they didn't know. So I told them everything I knew, which now I know more. So there, I, I enjoy it. It's been, it's been a hobby, an interest all my life. And I enjoy the, yes, there's the competition for a championship, but it's far more fun to go after nowadays rally is really taken off and I've had fun with that. Uh -huh. oh, I have one little rascal. You asked me once about an embarrassing situation. Uh, this particular miniature poodle, Emily, uh, we were in the master's class and we'd taken oh, a couple of stations and that. And suddenly Emily said, goodbye. <laughs> and she ran around the ring and showed off and wouldn't let anybody catch her. She's having a wonderful time. Uh, laughing at us and we're laughing at her it took me about three minutes to catch her needless to say that was an nqqqq <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. you tried you've tried everything in the sport of dogs that's fabulous yes. uh -huh. fabulous yeah well again thank you so much and uh i'm sure i'll see you somewhere down the road right thanks will thank, thank you Susan. bye-bye Thanks, Susan. That was a lot of fun. What a great, what great stories you have. If you like what you're seeing here, make sure you press the like, share, and subscribe button. If you want to find out what's happening in Will's world, go to Will Alexander's Dog Show Tips. And if you want to, don't forget about the podcast every week, The Dog Show Drive with myself and Wayne Cavanaugh. It is now on YouTube and podcast. Take care, guys.